Hey guys, it's Rahul here, and um, today I'm doing the Techspectations podcast. And um, you might ask me, what is the Techspectations podcast? <laughs> it's a bit of a mouthful, but essentially what it is, is um, not just with technology, but I thought I wanted to have somewhere where I'd give my frank opinions about technology and what is going in the industry. So today I thought we should do the Apple event recap, and I just wanted to talk about what's going in the Apple event. Um, so the Apple event was on this Tuesday and essentially they announced a couple of products. Um, if we go on the website, you can probably see, but, um, there was an iMac with the M1 chip and I mean, from everything we expected, we didn't expect it to be just an iPad on a stick with, with, with the bezels as far as they were, but we'll get to that. An iPhone 12 in purple because I mean, <laughs> if they can milk you for a regular iPhone, they can probably milk you for one in purple. They had the new iPad Pro with the M1 chip. Um, and to be honest, they had the AirTags, but in COVID, I don't really care about AirTags because I'm at home all the time and everything's got FOMO on it. But we'll get to that. To me, it's just an accessory for essentially you could get you could get a little bit of rubber and a little bit of leather and sell it. And that's essentially what it is to me. But we'll start with the M1 iMac. I mean, a backstory on me is that I watch a lot of tech reviews and that kind of stuff. I watch MKBHD, I watch Unbox Therapy, I watch a bunch of different people, and um, I really find this kind of stuff interesting. But basically, the point of the M1 iMac is that um, Apple had this history with the um, regular iMac. It's the iMac 2000, and we'll call it 2015, right? The older iMac. Essentially, the problem was, because you have an Intel chip, um, the TDP was just, the the performance ratio to power usage was completely different. These chips, I know because I have, I have a MacBook myself and it's Intel chip. Essentially, there's just too much heat coming out of it. And it's not delivering enough power for how much performance you're getting out of it. So you're getting not that much performance and you're also, you're also using a lot of power. With the M1 chip, essentially, you've got an iPhone style processor. And what that does is, as much as, okay... It's giving you loads of performance and probably not to the extent of like the top, top, top end of like, you know, Intel i9s or whatever, but you're getting really, really high performance, but with really low power usage. And that basically, this is basically a showcase that they can build it thinner and lighter and better, which is the whole Apple model. Now, the problem is it doesn't cater to the kind of user that I am. I'm what I what you'd call a pro user, and a pro user to me is someone who's running virtual machines, someone who's doing all different types of tasks, not just photo editing and video editing, because this is what Apple want you to think a pro a user is. A pro user to me is someone who's everywhere, you know, using um, different apps like coding in Python. I mean, recently I've been doing a bit in C, um, doing different coding with different apps. Then you're jumping around to simulations for electronics. You're doing web browsing, you have like 50 tabs open at once. Okay, exaggeration. Probably about 20. <laughs> but you're literally everywhere. And it's not that this iMac can't keep up with that. That's not really my problem with this iMac. My problem is for the kind of for the kind of user I am, it just doesn't feel like it's geared towards me. Like I don't care about all the different colours. That's not what I'm interested in. I do care about the fat bezels. That does bother me a lot because I know they can make it so much slimmer. They can make it so much fatter, and then all they have to do is they just shrink the bezels a bit because what it is, the whole connectors are around 
um, this area here. You know, if they show it. See this area here? This is literally where most of the most of the connectors and the M1 chip and everything is. Really, in my opinion, it should be behind there, and they should just kind of push it back. But this whole pink and flowery thing from and like the purple and all different colors, that's not really what I want in a computer. What I want is something that that handles pro workloads and you know the fans don't spin up, which this does performance-wise, but it just looks so ugly doing it. And the 4.5K screen, it's a good screen, don't get me wrong. It's just that it's just surrounded by so much bezel. The next problem I had, or the next problem that Poe probably has, is the um, 1080p FaceTime camera. Now, the way I see it, look, if, if they could just black out that bezel, and I'm sure they could just use the front-facing camera from the iPhones because they're like 7 megapixels and... A lot of the Samsung phones, um, I believe, I believe on the S twenty, on the S twenty series, the S twenty Ultra. I'm pretty sure. I know the S the S ten series had it, and the S twenty one Ultra. I'm not so sure, but they have four K front facing cameras. Now, do you mean to tell me that for the price you pay for one thousand pound on this computer, they couldn't just include a better camera, like a, like a four K camera on the front? I think that would change the game, and cameras can't be that expensive. That's the problem, they can't include it. I mean, it just feels like this computer is not geared for the pro. It kind of steers the pro into a more expensive category. But for a £1,000, it kind of should be. It's giving you the pro performance, which I like, but it's the design that really I don't like. It's one of those things. And as a MacBook Pro user, I'm on the go all the time. I think simulations and stuff and pro workloads would work reasonably well on the computer. So the workloads isn't the issue, it's just... The, the fashion in which the computer handles it probably isn't for me. What do they do next? Studio quality microphones, that's a welcome improvement. I mean, the iPad Pro got the studio quality microphones, I believe, in 2020. And the iMac Pro had it. So it's just like, I think it kind of takes out that market of very, very cheap microphones, maybe. Like the £20 ones. And it just gives you a really good integrated experience for something. Maybe you want to do a podcast or something like that. I'm trying to do you don't need to venture out with other peripherals. It just seems like that's just generally a good thing. Another thing with Apple is the sound systems that you get, even on my MacBook, I can vouch for this. This is basically a very small part. As they say, it really fills a room. Like This is a very small party speaker. And I think, to be honest, it's kind of the lineage of Apple. They haven't really ever had bad speakers. And you think about why. Um, just speaking from personal experience, um, it's that Mac for me has always been the computer that chills in the back of the room and plays iMac footage and plays just nice. It just plays nice footage that's kind of not footage. It plays nice music, that's what I'm trying to say, in the background. And, you know, iTunes has been a big part of what the Mac is and the iPod is and that kind of just casually play music experience. And so, being able to do that one integrated system, that's kind of what the six speaker sound system type thing on the iMac is for. I think it's a casual computer. That's what I think. I think it's, it's as they're marketing it, it's a lifestyle computer. But I just wish they wouldn't segregate for the pros, you know? Because it pushes me into a category that I don't want to be in just because, like price-wise, as a student, just because this is a little bit more... It's just a little bit too... I don't want to say childish, but... I don't like the big bezels, and I have a monitor that's like 100-ish pounds, and it doesn't have this. I don't think I need this. 
if they just kept it as a slab with an iPad Pro on a stick, I think that would work so much better. M1 and Big Sur. Yeah, M1 chip is kind of the highlight of this. It's really just a showcase to show what Apple can do and the smaller package they can put everything in. To be honest, the big thing with the M1 chip is like, they want to unify everything so that if Apple makes everything for all their computers, it makes it a lot easier. If they make everything for all their computers, it really does mean that for the end consumer, they get a better experience because if the one company is controlling hardware, controlling software, and controlling everything in between, and the fact that the RAM is now getting close to the chip so you can access it quicker, and the fact that if you've seen Apple SSDs, they always seem to perform really, really well. It's just a very unified, tight, close experience. And just when you're launching an app, you just you just want things to work. And the thing with the M1 is everything's so close together that the computer feels like it's finally talking, all the parts talking to each other. And with the Intel, with the Intel in integration in the old Macs, it felt like the problem was Intel just isn't, it's not Apple. They're not getting a shout in essentially the processor side of it and they have to work around someone else's processor. If they work on their own processor, they can optimize it with the, their new security chips, which I also believe are actually like, I think they're Apple A8s or A10s that are kind of a bit beheaded so that they can do like security stuff in the chip. So if they can just kind of do everything themselves, then that little iMessage that you open, the process is built to do that. It's going to do it a bit quicker. Um, it's just everything's just integrated more tightly when you're running apps in Xcode. The ML performance is, is really, really good. And that's obviously because they can control everything. They're doing it on, all on their end. Even web browsing, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it accesses the antenna a bit quicker. It's just it's just a way better experience. So I think it really is just a showcase for the M1. I think, as you can see, it really is, in, in Apple's case, it's about the ecosystem. To me, it always has been. Because this computer might work okay on its own. It does work really good on its own. But in my experience, there's there's something really priceless about pressing Command-C on an iPad and pressing Command-C, Command-V on a, a MacBook. And then the project you're working on, everything just syncs together. When you're really tired and it's like 3 a.m. and you're doing a project, it's the last of your worries. And it just makes it so much easier. Even everything from to the email client is just way easier on a Mac sometimes because sometimes you just don't want the hassle. Sure, the Windows might have the higher clock speed. Sure, the Windows might have more RAM. But in this case, can we even talk about that? Because unified memory isn't exactly the same. Like iPhones run maybe two gigs of RAM, three gigs of RAM sometimes um, when, when the OnePlus devices used to have like eight. And we used to go, the iPhone's really, really comfortable with two to three gigs of RAM. So... In the same way, now that the Mac is basically a blown-up iPhone, can we really make the, the same RAM comments? Because do apps use the same amount of RAM in M1 architecture as they do in x86 type architecture? I don't know. I think it's food for thought. Airdrop. Universal. <laughs> this this saved me so many times. And I airdrop loads of projects to myself, so this, this really does help. I also think that... This, again, like the color matching is really, really nice, but to me, it really just kind of makes it feel a bit, I know, I know colors are fun and it's fast, but it does make it feel a bit unpro and I'd prefer just a, a slate black model with thin bezels. Also, my experience with the Magic Keyboard is that 
it's okay. I had the first gen one, which is made which was batteries instead of like one with a lightning port, and it did need battery fill-ups a lot, but I got very used to it. But my real my real gripe is with the magic mouse. Not with the charging so much, but it's just a very small mouse. And just like I know people say Apple stuff is better and whatever. I get that. I I like the magic mouse because I like scrolling on it. It's very easy to scroll on it, side swipe. You can go up and down, very, very easy, double tap, all of that. It does it great, right? It has right click. But I got too used to it, to it being too small. It's a really, really small mouse. And when you use it for a long time, you realize that. And what happens is, like, the middle of your hand, downwards, it's just, that's what's using the mouse, and the rest of it just scrapes along the table. And I eventually got a mouse from Logitech, and to be honest, it solved the problem, because it's, you know, a cheaper mouse. And a mechanical keyboard. I believe I use a Red Dragon mechanical keyboard, and these are like very, very cheap peripherals that seem to solve the problem because this is just carpal. <laughs> if I'm honest, it's carpal tunnel waiting to happen. My setup is that I use the trackpad on my computer, and then I use the keyboard and the mouse, and I keep I keep um, it's kind of a trio, kind of like he's done, but um, this little keyboard ensemble to me is carpal tunnel waiting to happen. I use the butterfly keyboard on my computer, and to be honest, it's a real gripe when I have to type on it. I think it doesn't have enough travel, and the key stick, and to be honest, it's just not a very pleasant experience. Like, the shallow key travel means I can't type very quickly. But that's just me being honest. Yep, design by birth, accessories. Alright. I don't think there's anything weird here. I think I addressed the neural engine, like, there's nothing here that I would say is very new that I haven't talked about. Oh, the other, other thing was the power cable. Now, as someone who spends a long time at their computer, the one thing I will say is that when you kick this power cable, mine stays in my computer, which is great because the computer stays in one place. But surely you wouldn't want a magnetic cable because if you kick said magnetic cable, you're just going to lose all your work. I think a way around this was if the, the iMac had, say, I don't know, like a backup battery. So if I had like a small little 10 minute backup battery, just so like, or maybe like even a one minute one, just so it could keep up. Let's say if you kick the power cord out, the computer just, it just discharged with the backup battery. Just so, just in the instance that you decided to accidentally kick your computer and take the cable out, that you wouldn't lose all of your work and that project you're working at 3M. I think it would really suck if you did that. They also have Bluetooth 5.0, pretty standard, pretty standard. By the way, <laughs> this Pro Stand is included for pretty much the same price as the other Pro Stand, but this time you're getting computer with it. So to me, that's a little crazy, but you know, it is what it is. I think the next thing to touch on is the new, um, I believe it's the new iPads. They have an iPad Pro, an iPad Pro has M1 this time. Um, I like to get the tech specs open on the next page too. Um, here's the thing that I found with iPad Pro this year. I was really excited about iPad Pro and Mini LED. But my first thing was, this is going to sound really petty, right? But Samsung have this tablet, and I believe it's called the Tab S7 Plus. And I think, if Samsung can do OLED 120Hz, I don't know if it's, I'll, I'll double check, but I don't know if, if the Samsung S7 Plus is LTPO or it's just regular. So the difference is really LTPO means it's dynamic refresh rate 
and um, LTPO basically means it's just standard 120 hertz. So one is dynamic. I really, I really don't know. Yeah, it's not, it's not very clear, but I think Apple are waiting to dynamically adjust the refresh rate because ProMotion in itself is that on the iPads, it can go like to 120 hertz, but when you're watching a movie, movies are meant to be watched in 24 FPS. And therefore, when you're watching a movie, you want it to dock down to that 24 FPS and it'll save you a lot of power because it's not doing as many refreshes per second, essentially. So where was I? My my goal is to have an OLED 120Hz iPad with ProMotion, but I think the reason Apple hold back on this OLED iPad, not because it will cause burn-in, but because there's no regular OLED panel with LTPO, meaning dynamically adjusting refresh rate that goes all the way down, that can be produced at mass scale. So their stopgap was something called mini-LED. And mini-LED, as they show, is something that has a few dimming zones, not OLED dimming zones, but a few little squares behind the big square that is the screen. Well, it's not a square, but get the point. I think 5G in the, in the middle of a pandemic, to me, doesn't make too much big difference, but I'm sure it does to most people. Ah, but the Thunderbolt port is. Now, Thunderbolt, I believe, is now a universal standard. It is not an Intel exclusive, which means Apple can basically come out with a Thunderbolt port. And the big deal about this is, if you have a peripheral that can take advantage of that type of bandwidth, You've essentially got a computer with quite a few different possibilities because 40 Gbps, 40 gigs of data that can be transmitted every second on a port like that. You can do some really crazy stuff, especially if you're a photo editor, if you edit music and all that kind of stuff. That is what you want. And again, the M1, it's back again. So they're kind of diversifying the whole lineup with this with this M1, and it just makes it a lot easier. Uh, it's 12.9 inches, it's liquid retina. Basically, what this means is it's got a mini-LED display. I didn't like the fact that the 12.9 inch only has the mini-LED, because for me... <sighs> to be honest, what I want is the mini-LED, but I, I I would like the option for the 11 inch. I heard that the, the yield wasn't high enough, so that's why I didn't do it. I think it's a crazy device, though. I think it's really good for me. My iPad's just, like... An entertainment warrior. It's just that the whole time, and I can entertain myself with it. It's, it really is very good at that. You can just sit there and watch for endless, endless amounts of time. I just sit there sometimes in bed and watch Netflix on it. It's really, really good. And to be honest, I have AirPod Pro, and the integration with AirPod Pro is it's next level because you can plop them in and you listen to music. And sometimes, if you've had a long day, you just want to plop something in and listen. You don't want the hassle of connecting through the menus. You don't want the hassle of like pairing, hitting the pair button, and just like when you switch over to your computer, you actually switch over to your computer. You don't unpair, repair, all that stuff. You hit one button and they're through. And they show up on all your Apple devices. To me, that's next level. And no, they don't sound as good as the Sony's. No, they don't sound as good as the Bose. But they don't have to. That's not that job. There's also this center stage, which essentially is just effective cropping, where I believe the phone detects where there's a person waving at it. The iPad detects where there's a person waving at it at different points. And then it just moves that crop of the camera over to the left and a bit to the right. But to me, it's nothing revolutionary, but some people it is. 
It also has a LiDAR scanner, to me, again, not that important. As I said, 40 Gbps, and it's really good if you want to connect to like a Pro Display XDR, because that, that, that Pro Display XDR, because it's 6K, it needs that res, and that's kind of what it's for. To me, this Magic Keyboard, I know it looks good, but my main thing with it is, I don't think it's worth 350 quid. I think the main thing is like, it's a, it's a magnetic case with a full-fledged, proper keyboard in there, in something that runs off the iPad. I think engineering-wise, that's probably very difficult to do. But for someone like me, I just want to type a sentence, to be honest. And an £8 keyboard of eBay does the same job for me. So that's why I probably wouldn't be purchasing one of those. My main gripe with the M1 chip in this is that I don't think it's fully utilised. As I said, I'm someone who likes to take full advantage of the iPad, and to be honest, I don't think that we're going to see too much improvement, apart from maybe opening apps and stuff. I don't think the chip is going to be utilised enough. If you can't use Final Cut Pro, if you can't use Xcode, if I can't develop apps on it and run a command line on it, really it's not the kind of thing I want because there's a lot of untapped potential in there and you're paying a lot of money for that untapped potential. I think if they use developer tools on it, it would be it would be it would be a lot better to be honest. I think a pro wants to really get hands-on and integrity with it. I mean for a thousand nits and everything else it offers. At the moment, it's just a really fast screen, and I think it needs to be more than that. I think you need to make this your standalone computer for £900 or 700 The quad speakers is something, again, Apple does do really well. I mean, those were the main things that they announced. I know they announced the AirTags, and to be honest, the AirTags aren't that important to me. Because, for me, what the AirTag is, is just something that you kind of throw around and you can find it's got a cute UI on your device and essentially it's an excuse to make an accessory for it if I'm being honest it's got a cool speaker in it but to me it's nothing the tile didn't do before I do like the network feature where the fact that other people's tags can find your tag but if you lose it somewhere where there's not many people with iPhones then you've got a problem someone like India this wouldn't take off because it's such a big country with such little iPhone percentages when someone has an AirTag, someone's got to find that AirTag. And let's say everyone's got a Realme and a Xiaomi, I don't think that's going to work. But it is quite a cool little fob, essentially. And for 30 quid, it, it, I guess it makes a nice gift. What else would I say about that? To be honest, there was a new iPhone 12, and while I guess that's cool, I mean, I don't really care, because it's it's the same OLED, not me, I wanted to switch to iPhone, but my main thing with it is that it's not 120 hertz. but I don't think iOS needs it, I think iOS as it is, is very, very smooth and very responsive to touch, they have quite a good sampling rate, right? So it's just one of those things where it's very, it's very easy to operate iOS devices with low latency. And... My main thing about it was that Purple isn't really going to revolutionize the way this phone works. To be honest, I think they should have launched it at launch, but I think it's really just consistency with all their other products. I don't know. I don't think it's that interesting. But that summarizes my thoughts for the new Apple event. I hope you enjoyed. And um, yeah, please subscribe.